This is Stereoactive Presents. I'm your host, Jeremiah McVeigh, and in this episode, I'm joined by Jacqueline Solar to discuss the debut film by writer and director Ari Aster, distributed by A24. Hereditary stars Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne, Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, and Anne Dowd. In just a moment, you'll hear Jacqueline's review of Hereditary, followed by my discussion with her about the film. Hereditary is a story about grief, so naturally it begins with the death. Artist Annie Graham attends the funeral of her mother, Ellen, who passed away before the film begins. Through a eulogy, Annie reveals that she had a tenuous relationship with her mother. Ellen was domineering yet distant, shutting out her own family with her secret rituals and secret friends. Although there was a period of estrangement, Annie not even letting Ellen anywhere near her firstborn, Peter, Annie eventually allowed her mother to live with her by the time her daughter, Charlie, was born. Subsequently, Ellen took a disturbing interest in Charlie, even insisting on being the one to feed her, so it's no surprise when Charlie begins seeing apparitions of her dead grandmother not long after the funeral. From then on, Hereditary only gets weirder, hitting full tilt by its last act. Despite its unambiguous, bizarre ending, Hereditary's success is placed in Ari Aster's command of atmosphere, foregoing cheap jump scares in favor of an escalating, foreboding tension that permeates each scene. From this point on, we may discuss elements of the plot for Hereditary that some would consider spoilers. So if you do not want to know anything about the plot for this movie, you should skip ahead to the next part of the podcast, but please do come back once you've seen it to hear discussion. So Jackie, I think you summed this up pretty well, especially there at the end. It's, it is a very atmospheric film. And for me, I enjoyed not knowing where this was going. And it seemed like from scene to scene, it was about, it, it, it was skillful in that each scene had, a, had an atmosphere to it and a build. And you kind of didn't know as the scenes occurred, how some of them related to other scenes. You didn't know what where you were going with it. And I, I've heard some people refer to this as having a twist. And to me, if there's a twist in this movie, it's nearer the beginning than the end, because especially because of the trailer, you think that it's going to be about this girl and big spoiler alert again. It's not about her. I mean, it is, but she, the character, the physical character dies so quickly in the movie. And I was so shocked. It was the, like, I, it was the only time I had like anything close to a jump in this movie. I literally put my hand over my mouth and said, Oh my God, when it happened. Cause it was yeah. very like intense and you could kind of see it coming and it was still a shock. Um, but to me, the ending of this movie isn't a twist. It's a reveal and it's a reveal that kind of puts everything into focus and makes everything have a purpose and a meaning. And it's rare that I think a movie pulls that off in a, in a way that, that really, makes things like retroactively coherent. And I thought it was super impressive because there were those scene to scene, moment to moment, um, atmospheric um, sort of creepiness moments and things like that. But then at the end, it all like meant something where before 
you couldn't tell if it would or not. You know, that's that's where I was with it. Um, yeah, no jump scares. I didn't think it was jump scares. It was it was like about skillful filmmaking and having some sort of a endpoint that it was moving to, even if you didn't know what it was or couldn't see it coming yourself. And I really appreciated um, that. For as as far as I saw it, like it. Until then, a lot of what happened you could write off as as having been in the character's head or something like that. And maybe this is a real realistic movie and could have taken place in the real world. I know that with the filmmaker, he wanted to create this film that was a satanic ritual from the perspective of the people being sacrificed, um, which was an interesting take. I myself, I like ambiguous endings better, and so like that ending, I I didn't, I wasn't really feeling it. Uh, I would have liked it better if they kept it like, w- did it happen or is it all in their head? Like, uh, like uh, especially with the buildup of like this family having all this mental illness, like her mom having DID um, and her brother killing himself um, from suffering from like suffering from some mental disorder as well. Um, like it's it's always been a part of her family. So I, I thought that would be interesting to just explore the ambiguity that you can have with that and um also expand on like how grief can can lead to people uh like just going batshit insane and just like losing it just from like the overwhelming feeling of grief um i agree that this film is 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 very much about this twist of 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 losing a family member and and the familial grief that stems from this and uh, it reminds me a lot also because like A Quiet Place kind of had that same idea where like they lose this family member early on and and then the resulting fi- um, resulting film is just like them dealing with this grief. Uh, but Astor tackles it in a different way and and creates like this this feeling of of dread that follows the family everywhere in in more of an atmospheric sense rather than like this creature film which was um, which. A Quiet Place was. I hadn't thought about that connection to A Quiet Place. To me, the big difference is that trailer for this movie was so smart in setting you up to think that this uh, kind of creepy character was going to be one of the focal points of the movie. And in a way she is, but sort of off screen for right. most of the film. And and I did not see that coming. You know, I, I didn't think that that's what was going to happen. And until it was happening, uh, I just I didn't really anticipate it. Um, I also appreciate the inspirations. Like you could tell that it was like heavily inspired by Rosemary's Baby, especially at the end with the satanic ritual with um, all the naked people. That remind me a lot of Rosemary's Baby when they were like impregnating her um, by Satan. Like they had all those naked people in their room watching her. Um, and then just like the symbol, like it reminded me of when they drew the symbol on Rosemary's body. Like it, it had a similar look, but it's different. I know that that's, a, that's an actual symbol of King Pyman, who's like one of the kings of hell. Um, and I and I know that was a conscious choice to choose this guy, this demon, instead of Satan himself, because uh, Aster felt that it was like overdone to just keep doing things about Satan. Yeah, it makes it a little more interesting because it seems like uh, almost out of left field or something of it's very specific right yeah 
what was your audience like? Because mine, <laughs> mine were kind of like incredulous about a lot of things. Like one specific moment sticks out in my mind is when Tony Collette's character is already like possessed and she's in so towards um, the end. Yeah, Peter's room. I like that they had her lurking in the corner, but then when she like flew away, everyone like laughed really hard at that because <laughs> it was so, it looked so ridiculous. Well, yeah, but, um, I wouldn't call my crowd incredulous. It seemed like everybody was very like kind of wrapped and in, in the moment with the movie. There were, I can't remember where it happened, but there was a moment or two in the movie where people laughed, but I kind of thought it was like a nervous laughter because like to me, and I'm not the first person to say this, but there's there's a lot of like similarities between a good comedy and a good horror film in that it's really about like this this reaction that you don't have a control over, you know, like you either laugh or you jump or something. And there, there's like sometimes a fine line between the two, which is odd. And and I love when a horror movie makes you laugh um, or makes people uncomfortable enough to laugh because it, it, it almost just means like people don't know how to react. So I don't know if that's what happened in your screening. I have I no felt, idea, but that did happen to mine, I felt. Right. Well, I felt like just for that specific moment, people were just kind of like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> it looks so, so funny because she's just like um, moving her limbs wildly around, like like almost like she's like a spider crawling across see, the air. I, this like might have been something also where where you see the movie and how you see the movie might affect it because I've I saw it at a movie theater that I sometimes think that they don't change their projector bulbs often enough uh-huh. and so like it, it was sort of like a faint something in the corner and i was like oh, is okay. that her i can't quite tell i feel like that would been better yeah so, so like, ma- you maybe, can't really you can't really tell what she was doing yeah maybe i got lucky with that in this case um because i know I, I i've read reactions online and, and some people were like legitimately scared by that and i was really confused because like that looked so weird Cause yeah, look- well, that reminds me of The Exorcist, that scene that I th- I think was not in the original theatrical cut, but then was in uh, one of the reissues, like, I think for the, what would it have been, the um, 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary of her walking down the stairs. Right, the crab uh, walk. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's such a fucking weird thing that, like, I think it does uh, evoke laughter and sort of horror at the same time. So... I could see this as being analogous to that. Again, like my experience of it sounds like it was different than yours just through circumstance, but I don't know. Like I said, Yeah, I feel like horror movies is dependent a lot on who you watch it with. Yeah. Because um, if there's a lot of people who are jumpy or scared, it helps add to the atmosphere. Sometimes it can take you out too, though. I feel like it all depends if like they're being too overzealous, yeah, or, maybe. Yeah, I, I saw s- some critic that I follow. I can't remember who. Uh, I happened to see um, the beginning of their review and it said something about like, or maybe it was on Twitter. I don't remember, but it was something where it wasn't, I knew there wasn't going to be a spoiler in it. And they were just like, don't go see this movie at night when there's going to be performative bros there, like, (laughs) like laughing and, and jumping at all the right moments on purpose or something like that. Um, you know what I mean? Like yeah, people that's who, annoying. You know, performative audience members who like want you to know they got it. Like that's yeah. so goddamn annoying. That's very obnoxious. So I, I, it felt to me like in my audience, people were legitimately in the moment with the movie. And I don't know if that was just because I was and I was able to tune people out or whatever, but I had a good audience. That's good. <laughs> I think the biggest scare though was definitely when Charlie gets her head um like 
like plowed off. Yeah. Oh my God. That's <laughs> like that crunch. So, and then the reveal the next morning was crazy with the ants all mm-hmm. over her face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later you see her head on that dummy of King, what's his name? Paymon. Yeah. Like with a crown on. That's right. Right. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I liked a lot of the imagery in here, like especially um, Tony Collette when she's hanging from the ceiling and like, chopping her head off was she using like the chain from her necklace i couldn't really tell what she i didn't used. know what it was like i i thought it, i didn't know if it was like piano wire or something right. i have no idea but I, I don't know what it was but yeah yeah it was so creepy there's a lot of things that i want to rewatch. like i want to rewatch this film to catch a lot of details because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like devil in the details going on with yeah, this definitely. film like um apparently the sign um was on the pole that oh, really? charlie um hit her head on Hmm. Um, and that's supposed to be like symbolizing that the cult was behind her death because they want to transfer the, the the demon from her body to the son's body. That is crazy. I, I don't buy that. But um, I mean, how did how would they have, have orchestrated that specific series of events? Like well, like, that, you know, there's this whole thing. So like, you know, like going back okay, to I guess they're cursed, to, so to, anything could happen, but to like Rosemary's baby when like they used their rituals to curse certain people to get what right. they want. Yeah, yeah I yeah. feel like it's the kind of the same thing. Like they yeah, just work their I mean, magic guess, on it. Yeah, I guess you could kind of rationalize away anything when when that comes into play. I liked that I didn't know about that in that moment. But yeah, I, I do think this is the type of movie that could could definitely warrant um multiple viewings and you could get something more out of it. And that, that's why I think it's important that um, it's not a twist. It, to me, at the end, it's a reveal. Like, it's it's not something that that is, like, all of a sudden... It's not like I was watching this movie thinking I was watching one thing and sure of it, and then all of a sudden everything is, like, thrown into a new light. It was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was watching, and then all of a sudden I knew, you know? Right. So, so, I don't... Yeah, I don't... What, has there been people saying that there people, was a twist? I saw people calling it a twist the, the, online. The thing where there's a ritual, is that what they co- were calling the twist or the, that the girl died? They, they were saying the twist at the end, oh. but, which I think people just throw around twist to get you to click on shit now. You know, like it, right. it's like on YouTube, like the, the twist ending were vi- uh, explained and, like, right. you know, like explainer videos from like f- film channels on right. I YouTube feel like- or whatever. Oh, I guess the twist would be like her finding out her mom was part of this cult. But I felt like it was hinted at since the beginning. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I didn't think there was anything at the end that seemed unmotivated from stuff that was there before. It was just like you didn't quite know how to read it, or at least I didn't feel like I did. And then once things sort of came into focus, you're like, oh, shit, that's what was going on that whole time. Right. Um, and, And it didn't like take away. It didn't say like, no, you were wrong. It said like, here's what it is. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, um, I know, I hate to go back to Rosemary's Baby, but but it was like- I mean, a, It's hard not to. Yeah, because it's like, it's the same thing. Like, they, they put little details in it so that when, at the very end, when it's revealed that, you know, it was part of this satanic ritual, um, all the pieces fall together. And you right. can see, like, back, if you look back on you can see, like, their hand and everything. Like, you could see Anne Dowd in the meeting- Mm-hmm. Um, trying to get her way to um Tony Collette's character and yeah. to, to worm her way into her life and to get her to trust her right. and want to do all these things, um, like the rituals and stuff to lead up to um her son being possessed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the performances are 
are great. Like Tony Collette is She's so good. Yeah. I mean, not that that's a surprise at this point. Right. I mean, when is Tony Collette not good, even in something not as good as she is? But um and Gabriel Byrne playing that Gabriel Byrne sort of I like, felt Ugh. so so bad for his character because <laughs> he's kind of just like, I just want my family to be together. And it's like they're also um, I don't know, volatile. Or yeah, something. he. I think he's so good at playing that character who is supportive and then has a breaking point and is like, "No, I'm done. Right? Stop fucking around." Right. <laughs> and he, he, I've seen. I feel like I've seen him do that before, and he, and he's just really good at it. Um, and then even, um, the kids are great. Right. Um, even for the short amount of time she's on screen, I don't know her name, but the 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 character who the, plays the actor, Charlie. Yeah, the actor who plays Charlie is great. And then the son, Peter, um, he was great. At first, I sort of wasn't sure about him. But like, as the movie start, starts to move towards him being more central, he really like bears that burden well. And Yeah, I really, yeah, the way that he deals with um, the aftermath of his sister's death, like from the moment he's like in shock to the moment where he's um, dealing with his grief and, con- and being confronted by his mom. Right. I thought that scene was really great with them around the dinner table. Yeah, those those family moments where it's just like this intense drama that doesn't really rely on anything that has to do with it being a horror film. It's just almost that part of it becomes incidental for a moment. It's like these characters have fucking drama in their lives. Yeah, and it's, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And then I also really like that scene that turns out is it turn it turns out to be a dream where she's like she tells him that she never wanted him and she never yeah. wanted to have kids. Right. Yeah. I mean, that moment there's like a dream inside of a dream, I think. Right. There's like, so cause she sleepwalks. So you're not yeah. really sure if it's real or not. Yeah. And I like that. That's how they kind of set this up of like, like I said before, it seems like everything in the movie up to a certain point, you could explain away. And I think that's because they set up the sleepwalking as something is like, you, you don't know if uh, she's a sleepwalker or maybe she even has, multiple personalities or something at the same time, like, and all this stuff. At one point I thought Ann Dowd's character was like completely made up in her head, possibly, you know, and it, it has all these things there that you can just sort of latch onto and come up with your own theory. And then in the end, you kind of know <laughs> to some right. degree, but I don't think it also invalidates any of that. It's like, you don't know what, what was real and what wasn't because people are being cursed and under these influences outside of themselves because of the forces at work on them. But um, any final things you want to bring up? I really like the parallel with the miniatures. Um, Only just because like, not only is it a metaphor for manipulation and how the families are basically like dolls in this dollhouse. um, But then they also used it in the aesthetic of like, the, the exterior of the house mm-hmm. and then they made it look kind of like a model um with the lens that they used right um like, did they do and, a tilt fa- uh, or yeah tilt shift tilt shift that's what i meant and and how they played how the director plays with um day and night like mm-hmm. it's like a, a switch that's flipped right kind of like you know a lamp or something so it, it really gives this feeling that everything is orchestrated by like this unseen I don't want to say God because it, if it's like a demon, then it's like, yeah. what are they? But like force, some unseen force. force, yeah, um, orchestrating this whole thing, which I thought was really cool. I like that aesthetic about it too, and it really adds to the creepiness too because dollhouses are inherently creepy. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think they definitely can be. They're they're easy to make creepy. 
Yeah. They're maybe not easy to not make creepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. I'm right there. Um, all right. Well, I think that about covers it. Oh, wait. So like. Okay. One last thing. Yeah. This was like your number one film on your list for um, summer movies. Mm-hmm. Do you think it will stay as number one or? Uh, I think so. I, I, I kind of caught up on some like writing some some thoughts in my letterboxed thing today and did my um, year so far list. And this is at number two right behind Death the Stall in at the moment. Okay. Best movie I've seen this summer. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then what are the other ones on your list? Can you remind me? Oh, that's a good question. What was on my list? Um, I think Under the Silver Lake. Oh, which was pushed to December. Yeah, I pushed back. Sorry to bother you. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. I think eighth grade was on there. Eighth grade was on there. And I can't remember the, oh, no, I didn't have Black Klansman because I knew Chuck was going to cover that. Oh. Um, I can't recall. Yeah, so, I'm just going to keep a lookout and see um, how if this will stay at number one. For me? Or yeah, for you. For you. Okay. Well, this one, this movie was number four for me. Yeah. Um, Above Hearts Beat Loud. And I mean, it's above Hearts Beat Loud. I thought it was like very enjoyable. And I, I love atmospheric movies. So yeah, I definitely recommend this film. Yeah, same. That said, I don't think it's for everybody. If you're not a fan of atmospheric horror films, oh, yeah. you might want to stay away from it. That's another thing. With the ending, sometimes people like a more ambiguous ending. So like, that's another thing, I guess, to keep in mind. I don't. I can't say I prefer one over the other. To me, it's all about the execution. Like, I, I love a good Im- ambiguous ending, but I also love a good solid ending that tells me what it is. To me, it doesn't matter as long as it's done well. It, it's about the execution as much as about the content in a way. Um, for me, I think the ending didn't really work only because like to show all your cards and then to have it be this kind of ridiculous ending. I know, I, I don't know, maybe it's also like with the audience, but it just felt really bizarre. I thought it was bizarre, but I didn't mind. I, I thought it was cool. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I didn't mind. I like the ending. Okay. Well, uh, thank you, Jackie. No problem. hope you enjoyed our conversation about Ari Aster's Hereditary. Thank you for listening to Stereoactive Presents, and thank you to our guest Jacqueline Solar. The music in this podcast is composed by Hansdale Sue. My name is Jeremiah Lee McVeigh. If you like what you hear in this show, please rate and review it in Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that allows that. Doing so helps us to expand our audience, and it is much appreciated. And please follow us wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Every little bit helps, and again, it is truly appreciated. You can also get in touch with us at StereoactiveMedia at gmail.com. And you can find more information about this show and everything else that Stereoactive Media is involved with at StereoactiveMedia.com. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.